Tua. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play to get it. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? It's a Tuesday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we'll perform the autopsy on that game on Sunday, take a look at the All-22 tape review, the stats. We'll also scan the social from somewhere here in South Florida, this is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. We open this up with the All-22 review. Let's just go ahead and dive right in and not dress this thing up. It wasn't pretty on the offensive side of the football. Some promising stuff on defense and, and even some silver linings, I suppose, on the offensive side. But we'll go ahead and open it up right away, starting off with Tua, because from the very first play, I thought we were going to be in great shape in this game because it was a familiar look with a different wrinkle or different progression within that play where you have the motion man come across the formation along with an inline tight end who starts on the same side the motion started with coming across the formation on a split zone action which gives you two guys flowing to the same side of the field and on that same side of the field the wide side of the field Jalen Waddle runs a takeoff and what that does is it creates flow from the middle portion of the field and it opens up a backside slant to Devontae Parker to create a ton of space in the middle of the field. Tua comes off that field side read to the motion to the inline tight end coming across in split motion or split uh, zone, I should say, and Waddle going vertical on that side. Takes a look over there, peeks back to the backside, and the football is between the one and the one on Devontae Parker's jersey for 20 yards to kick off the game. The very next play, an eligible man downfield gets called, but it's a really nice screen setup where Austin Jackson and Rob Hunt just come off their blocks. As Tua is kind of holding the ball to help the rush get upfield a little bit more, they come off their blocks and release downfield, and they're about three yards downfield. The flags come out, and that sucks because it really didn't impact the play as Miles was able to create some yards or just pick up, I guess, what was there for him on that well-designed, well-executed screen otherwise from the ineligible men downfield. And that takes you back from... You know, the Dolphins converted on that first and 15 after that, but it takes away a snap, your third snap of the game coming from plus territory down to the Titans, like 41-yard line. So that that hurt, and I thought this is kind of, or I thought rather the challenging portion of Tua's day began with the Waddle corner route on possession number two, where Waddle had really created some separation by pressing Kevin Byard, who's in the post, you know, put the field goal post Put your hand where the field goal post is, draw a line in the middle of the football field. That's where your post safety typically plays. And Waddle knew that that was kind of the guy that was going to go over the top of him on this corner route. So he takes a release that has a steady stem right towards the safety. And then once he gets to a point where he feels like Bayard has now had to kind of get back on his heels in that backpedal because of the speed that he threatens with, he snaps it off to the outside. And he, by the time he drives out of that backpedal for Bayard, it's too late. And the underneath corner had squatted on the flat route by Isaiah Ford. So it creates this window and the ball is out on time and it goes right off the very fingertips of Waddle who jumped a little bit early and kind of had to second clutch, throw his hands up after kind of, you know how the guys with the crazy hops kind of suspend themselves in midair. He kind of does that and he throws the hands up and it just goes off the fingertips. And I can't really pinpoint if it was 
a little bit too late on the throw, if it was a little bit too high on the throw, or if Waddle expected it earlier. Either way, that's a ball we usually complete, and it's off by a fraction this time. And that's kind of where the off-target throw started to go. And I really wondered throughout the course of watching this tape if it was more so that the ball was not where it was supposed to be, or if Tua's decision or, or Tua's frame of mind about where the available passing window on that particular throw and what the receiver thinks of that same idea are different. Does that make sense? Because like, there's one play, and it's on my notes here, but I'm jumping ahead, where it's a dig route to Devontae Parker, and the the off cornerback drives on the inside of this dig route. And dig route, straight vertical route down the field, break it off inside. It's, it's an in-cut, a dig route, whatever you call it. I mean, there's different playbooks have different verbiage for it, but on this play, the off cornerback drives inside, and basically there's a huge window on Devontae's back shoulder, and that's where Tua throws the football. And you see Devontae reach back with one hand and try to grab that thing, and part of me says, well, it makes no sense to throw a back shoulder ball in that situation. But the other part of me says, if he throws it in front of him, it's not just a hospital ball, but possibly a pick. And so I can't know that, but that's what I'm trying to convey is these fine margins the Dolphins missed in this game. And that was a big part of this game. And on the very next play after this miss to Waddle that kind of got those missed conversations going, it wasn't great. He's got Waddle on a drag route to put him in space one-on-one, again, against Kevin Byard, who's closing from depth, who kind of had his mind on number 17 all game long. And Tua eschews that route, which I was okay with because it's a tough, he has to break a tackle to get the first down. And he rolls left, and it's great because Mac Hollins has just turned his man around right at the sticks on this third and nine play. And Tua had such a free lane to throw the football that he might have even been able to run for nine yards in the first down. But as he goes to throw it, Holland is at the numbers on the football field, the 50-yard line, where it says 5-0 on the, on the field. And the closest Titan is about two steps inside of the hash mark. So he's got about seven, eight yards of solid separation, but the ball checks up short. The mechanics looked good. I, I don't know if he aimed it too low, if he didn't get the right squeeze in the football. I'm not going to sit here and speculate what it might have been because I don't know what it was, but it, the, what the result was is that it was a short throw to a wide-open receiver that you got to hit those. That's just... It's just all there is to it. Then there's a third and 10 where he runs out of bounds for one yard. And I was curious what happened on this play. And there really wasn't much there, but there was one very tough throw that he could have opted for. I think where Mac wins a post route, but as he does color flashes, the inside pass rush flashes in front of Tua's face. And it would have been a, a great anticipatory throw, a solid 40, 45 yards downfield that actually could have been Yahtzee for like a 90-yard touchdown. But if he hits that, we're talking like a career highlight throw where it's, you remember that Tannehill throw against the Chargers in 2016 where he took the shot under the chin and the ball was right on the money in the back of the end zone of Kenny Stills? It would have been one of those types of throws. Perfect. He would have to seen it early, let it fly early and taken the big shot and put the ball right on the money. Instead, he decides to flee the pocket and he no one uncovers after that and it goes for a one-yard rush. I'd like to see the receiver, the, the, the receiving options on scramble plays find more creativity to get off the plastering of the defensive backs. It seems like it rarely happens for the Dolphins offense to create those plays off script where the broken route gets rerouted and we hit the big play because of it. I want to see more of that. Later, there's a failed exchange. I have no clue who's to blame on that. On third and short, the Dolphins would convert on fourth and one or fourth and two on a nice little dash pass to Durham Smythe, but you can't waste downs. There's a throw to Mike Gesicki on a slant after the Titans made it 17-3. to The football's behind him and kind of high. And I like the, the high location because Mike plays above the rim more so than any defensive back he's going to see. 
but there was an underneath defender that kind of, I, I suppose, could have influenced the location of the throw. But either way, it's Mike gets his hands on it behind the back of his helmet, and the location of it allows the defensive back to punch it out. And, you know, Tua mentioned they wanted to push the ball vertically down the field, and they really tried it, and it was there. A lot of these throws were there. They just couldn't execute for one reason or another, which makes it even more frustrating because of how the defense really held serve as long as they could until that fourth quarter. You just hit a couple more of those chunk gains. You're talking more points, and at the very minimum, flipping the field position to significantly help your defense opportunity lost there for the Dolphins. Even the ensuing third down to third and nine pass where Tua hits Kosicki on a nice timing throw to the outside, but Mike has to come back inside. Like these are the throws that we talked about earlier in the season where Tua's location was turning these guys upfield into good yards after the catch. He was just consistently off in this game, which is the opposite of what we're used to with his precision in the passing game. The next one was a nice throw on a broken play where he gets out wide. And I talked about guys trying to create separation off the plaster coverage from broken plays. When, when the when the play breaks down, the route's over. A defensive back are taught to plaster. Just find a man and glue to him and stick with him the rest of the play. And we don't create many big plays off of those. But on this one, Mike doesn't really get off the plaster, but Tua throws the ball away from the defensive back's leverage. And Mike's able to go to the ground and make the catch. That was a nice throw, a nice catch on a contested play. And then the very next one, they come back for another contested catch for back-to-back 14-yard plays. And that's where I'm thinking, all right, he hit he hit Parker on a slant here. He uh, Or no, check that. That was later in the game. But he hit these two throws to Mike Kosicki to get them going. They get a little bit of tempo going. And then the play where Amani Hooker just drops the pass that goes over the top of Mike Gesicki. I broke it down on the Sunday or the Monday podcast, rather. That was my least favorite throw from Tua because he starts to reset his mechanics and the, the throwing motion to get his feet and everything aligned. And as he does that, the block that he's looking at or that he sees or senses stabilizes. Now, all of a sudden, he has a clean pocket. So he decides to throw from it, but he's already halfway into the stride and throws from that position. And the ball sails in him into double coverage, which was... Not the best decision, I don't think. And, and Hooker drops the football. So just these these kind of off-the-radar types of plays over the last couple of weeks we haven't grown accustomed to. I mentioned the location of the throws on some of these capped-off routes. I Again, I can't talk to it because I'm not sure the calls or the decision-making that those guys are making on a play-by-play basis. But I did like the slant route to Devontae Parker on 2nd and 10 when they're backed up after a tipped ball on first down goes short to Isaiah Ford, where the ball's right on time into a very tight window in a big spot where if you don't get a first down, then you're basically punt into field goal range for the Titans. And that play kind of sparks momentum once again as they get you know back-to-back strikes down the middle right after that, after a couple runs to Mike Gesicki, Durham Smythe. One's a fastball, one's a floater, a good-looking drive, but then it stalls. And the next drive, Devontae Parker has all kinds of room on a slant route and it's high. Another missed chance for one of these really pitch and catch 10 to 15 yard types of plays. It just really put the Dolphins behind the chains all game long and kept the offense from having much success. Later on, a good conversion rip over the middle on a quick crossing route to Devontae Parker right before the Jalen Waddle bomb. And that's where I get so confused back to that Hollins throw early and why I just think maybe it slipped out of Tua's hand or something because on this play, Waddle, once again, that same look from earlier, attacks the post safety who's at the field side hash the wide side of the field hash mark and waddles lined up wide outside the number so he has to condense inside and by the time he bends it back to the outside two was on his third hitch up in the pocket and that's kind of what you saw back at alabama with the vertical game was those very clean pockets where he can 
step up and drive the football and the location of the ball was perfect. That's kind of what I think you want to work towards if you want to build a vertical game around this quarterback is trying to find a way to solidify that protection consistently. So five, six, seven times a game, you can dial up these seven-step drops where he can hitch up and and make his decisions and throw these accurate downfield balls because that's where the explosive plays are going to come. You get fantastic protection, a good route from Waddle, and a big-time throw. Let's get going, but then it's a reverse flea flicker. There's nothing down there, and he takes a hit blindly, and the ball comes flying out. So the trick plays, they didn't fool Titans at all. They had great discipline on all of them, and the fumble puts you in second and long, and that's a short route to Durham Smythe. Then you get a miscommunication to, to uh, Devontae Parker on third down where he runs a post. The ball goes to the corner. Then the fourth down throw I thought was really good, but there's a no call. Turner run downs, and that was really it. 24 to 3 after that with seven and a half minutes to go. The next time you get the football back, again, they had chances right up to the very end, just didn't play well enough, and that's it. That's all there is to it. Jacoby took one snap. I thought the throw to Waddle was absolute aces, <laughs> like per, comically perf- perfect on that third and, and short throw down the field from Brissett to Waddle. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about the rest of the offensive breakdown here on the Tuesday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. We've already broken down the quarterback play and some of the offensive play here on the Tuesday edition all 22 autopsy review of the Dolphins and Titans week 17 game we pick it back up here with the passing options and there's not much to write about here with Waddle I asked coach about this on Monday and he talked about how they were able to give him different looks and lots of doubles and brackets we missed him a couple times and that's what I wrote in the notes that he was doubled frequently there was a couple times where they had a trio of defenders bracketing him just locking him down completely in terms of not giving him an opportunity to create space And that one speed out on the field goal drive, there was no separation on that speed out route. And he goes up with one hand, but he can't pull it down. You just don't usually see him blanketed like that. And that was pretty common throughout the course of this game for Jalen Waddell. And I think it was somewhat indicative of one thing that has plagued the Dolphins offense throughout the course of this season is the secondary options in the passing game consistently not being able to take pressure off of that. And that's that's a big reason why you 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 know your drive success rate, your points per game, your yard, all those numbers are down in the twenties. Got to have more options than than just one guy consistently to to find ways to beat doubles and beat single coverage even and create opportunities like that. And that's that wasn't the case outside. I mean Christian Fulton and Jack Rabbit Jenkins did a good job of tight coverage on Devonte, on Isaiah Ford, on Mac Hollins all game long. Amani Hooker was really good on Mike Gesicki. He was aggressive and didn't give him an opportunity to really open up and get that long stride going. And then the drops, this is my last note in the passing game here, really. The drops after the turnover on downs on the Tua to Parker incompletion, that was disappointing to see, I thought. I mean, Jalen Waddle drops an open slant. It's 24-3 to at this point, so the game feels like it's in hand. And then after that, Duke drops a check down pass. Parker drops a slant. And then Mike Gesicki drops a stick route that gets kicked up into the air and picked off. It's just not the response you want to see after a tough game. And, and you know, I know it's crappy conditions, and it's, like, very bleak at that point, and you're, you're on the brink of elimination, but... You can, you can still go out and catch the football. Rob Hunt on the offensive line. I think this is, I don't know, the seventh of the last eight or so games where I've just loved Rob's game. You know, Duke pops a 16-yarder, and Rob on that play drops his inside, inside shoulder right into a double team with Michael Dieter. He comes into it the base square. He comes off with the base square to climb to that second level in complete control, and he just blocks out Rashawn Evans, just basically engulfs him on the play. He's been really, really good. And on that long Duke Johnson run, he had great backside vision, tremendous burst, and finished the run. Some of the stuff I thought we saw throughout the course of the game with Duke. Also, what we saw 
in that Jets game when he went off. But back to Rob, before we go back to Duke, there were some snaps where Jeffrey Simmons got him, but like obviously, but he more than held his own throughout the course of the game. So you look for silver linings here on this tape. Big Rob had himself a battle with one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league. And I thought he did more than held his own. I thought he flat out won it. So that's good to see. And then, so Duke Johnson had the big run early, 14-yard run to start the drive after the Dolphins fell down 10-0. You get great push from both Liam Eichenberg and Austin Jackson, who kind of opened up a lane inside, and he's threw it in a flash. The very next run goes for 11 yards from a t- up-tempo type of drive. You get two duo blocks, the two double teams, and he does a great job of pressing the uh, front side, play side double team of Rob Hunt and Jesse Davis on Jeffrey Simmons. I wrote down Simmons and forgot his first name for a second. And it gives Mike Gasicki a better angle because of the way he pressed that run at the second level block to help him pick up 11 yards. And he hits that thing so quick when he goes. Some of the sacks I thought were really coverage sacks in this game for the offensive line. The first one, you know, Waddle flashed into a brief window, but it was a solid 30 yards down the field and a pocket that was slowly caving in tough throw to make I just don't think we're going to pull the trigger on those most of the time it requires a a lot of zip and velocity to get that thing out there consistently against pressure and and you're putting it in harm's way but a good pass pro throughout the course of this game I thought on on some of those sacks even on on the first one Rob picks up a stunt and really anchors against Nico Autry who loops around full speed and Michael Dieter does the same thing on the other side of that stunt and, you know, it was his guy who eventually got there, but I thought he played pretty well on that play. And there was plenty of time on that sack and a couple of the others, just good coverage downfield. The one sack that wasn't coverage was immediate pressure off the left, two effective bull rushes on Austin and Lee and put them both into his lap pretty quickly. But again, pass pro throughout the game, I thought was very solid. They tried to really run a lot of their one-on-one rushes and everyone really showed out with the anchor and just holding up long enough to let everything downfield develop that was a very strong showing from the Dolphins offensive line. My overall thoughts on the offense were that they just missed too many chunk gain opportunities and the early down passing game was not effective enough with some of those short passes for almost no gain. Going back to the Smythe dash pass, some of the wasted downs because the trick plays didn't work. Just things like that. Some of the misfires as well. It created situations that led to some of those coverage sacks and just overall offensive really ineptitude for 60 minutes in this game. Defensively, I didn't think it was that was the case. I thought the defense played pretty well until about 10 minutes to play in this game. And the rushing defense, you know, they picked up their numbers and stuff. But overall, the Dolphins defense competed for for about 50 minutes, I think. Not competed because they gave effort the whole game, but they played strong and, and were in it until about 10 minutes left. So the first third down stop, I was curious about how they would defend A.J. Brown. They doubled him from the inside with Byron Jones and trail technique and a twin receiver set. And then Brandon Jones wall his, walls him off over the top. And you've got X one-on-one with Westbrook at Kane. And he's in great shape at the catch point to force an incompletion. So force him to go elsewhere and throw out your best cornerback against a receiver who doesn't have the resume of Xavier Howard. Thought that was a good look. And then later they go incomplete to Brown where he's covered by Xavier in the slot. But they flip to zone and Roberts gets the reroute on a possible cross or a possible over route. And because of that, the ball's off target. So I thought it was a nice mix of different looks on him. He did get free on the very next play on second and 15 on the touchdown drive. It's man free. So single high safety and man coverage underneath. And he wins inside access on X who just cannot quite recover in time. And it goes for 25 yards, but he would catch that one and one ball later. And that was it for him. So good job taking out their top option there, but the running game got going and they built off of that. The first touchdown run in the game, Alandon Roberts got banged up and came out of the game and Duke Riley stepped in for him and they were able to seal him off and kind of get him caught up in the wash. And then I thought from there, Holland 
kind of overran the play and had a bad angle to the football. And that was just kind of the case all game. I didn't think they fit the run well enough to win this one. You'd get two guys in one gap and back takes the daylight, and it's a chunk run into that third level. Too many of those in this game for the defense. And some of the individual performances here, I say it every week now, <laughs> really all elements of Christian Wilkins' game have improved this year. First off, he played nearly every damn snap in his 16th game of the season. What an animal. On the first play, he works three gaps down the line for a run stuff. Later in the first half, he backdoors a frontside run and wins with quickness to force the back to bubble right into someone else for a run stuff. On the very next series, he's in a different position, not the three tech he played previously, but in the two technique where he's head up over the right guard and he gets underneath his pads, stands him up like Rock'em Sock'em Robust, shoves him to his right to get a line of sight to the backfield to see the quarterback or the possible split zone, possible give to the back coming his direction. He sees the play coming, winding back that direction, throws the guard off the left side and then greets the back in the hole. One gap slashing, two gap body tossing. He's playing at such a high level. He's got a variety of routes to victory and he showcases them each and every week. And as a result, he comes up with a near splash play late in this game on the fumble. The Titans got back. He stands up the left guard again from that two technique position, slides over, chucks him, and then drops his shoulder right on the football. He's, he's had a Pro Bowl level year. Jerome Baker's depth on a dig route early in the game, I thought was another good example of how Miami got different looks in terms of how to defend A.J. Brown. It helped to interrupt a passing lane with the Titans' passing game early in this game was kind of off, and that was because of good depth for the Dolphins' linebackers and good plan on the back end from the Dolphins' secondary. And he put together some good rushes too, Jerome Baker, where he beat backs and tight ends. That's what he does. And that play where he ran with Westbrook a cane down the seam on the Titans' second touchdown drive and gets forces in completion, I thought was a very nice display of his athletic ability, much like his sack where he gets off a cut block and then the acceleration, once he, you know, you slap the, the it's like the, the bag slap drill where you keep the shuffle, shuffle, slap the bag. He slaps the cut block down. And then from there, his feet are already moving at full speed to get the acceleration of the quarterback for a big time sack. A couple more, there wasn't a whole lot. Manuel Ogba received his fair share of chips up front. They really kind of got the tight end involved who would chip and release off of him. So his impact was minimal. The same deal for Jalen Phillips. Didn't get a whole lot going in this game. Thought Zach Sealer had his fair share of plays where he was able to prevent the Titans line from getting pressure in his particular gap coming off those blocks. And the Titans, again, they really opened up the rushing numbers late, but I thought the chunk gains early were just not fitted up well at the second level. And there were some instances too where even Sealer, even Wilkins and Davis and, and Butler and the guys up front couldn't quite maintain their gap. But for the most part, I thought the line was solid. It was some second level stuff for the Titans to be able to spring some of those bigger runs. Uh, the play where Jalen Phillips chased down the front side run from the backside to Deontay Foreman, what a display of his freakish athletic ability. Outstanding. Javon Holland, I noted the big hit right before the, the first down marker, creates a chance on third and short to get a tackle for loss, and Landon Roberts shoots the A-gap and makes that play there with Christian Wilkins to clean that thing up. So another one of those play before the plays. And again, credit to Sealer on the Javon Holland play where he got the tackle because his pursuit really forced the ball carrier to lose his balance on that run because Sealer was in hot pursuit on his backside. And then my last individual note here is that I continue to love the way that Brandon Jones just inserts himself in the running game. The first quarter, they have A.J. Brown short motions into a nasty split right into the formation, and he follows him in there and then wins across his face in a running play and gets a hit on the back. 
to stack him up for a short game. So those were some of the takeaways there. Obviously not good enough on the defense, but I thought they they played a pretty good game. It was more so the other side of the football that couldn't quite complement their performance. But the overall takeaways, there was too much success for the Titans on early downs, and they overran some of those chunk gains they had, and they were really able to build their play-action play action passing game off of that, which adds another layer of conflict, which also opened up Tannehill's ability to run the football, which is another layer of conflict. And we saw some of those boots where it's a receiver, a backer, and the quarterback, and you have to commit to either going back in coverage or stopping the run. And he's going to choose the other one. He just flips right behind your head. That happened a few times in this game. All of that made it so they were able to cash in some of those red zone opportunities and help put this game out of reach. They also really made it impossible to get pressure with any consistency. Thought they had a good game plan and they executed it well. So those are your film notes for the Week 17 game. We're going to come back and talk about the PFF numbers. We'll also scan the the social here next on the Drive Time Podcast. Travis Wingfield, stay tuned. We're back here on the Tuesday edition of the Drive Time Podcast, January the 4th, talking about the Dolphins and Titans recap, the All-22 review. Let's go ahead and pick it up here with a short visit down the statistics here, starting off with a pro football focus on 20-plus yard throws. Tua was one for three for 45 yards on intermediate throws, 10 to 19 yards. This has got to get better. Five for 15, 84 yards and a pick when he was kept clean. Again, the anomalies compared to his previous statistics in so many categories are, are stark in this game. When he's kept clean, 15 for 30 for 161. That's just 5.4 yards per pass. I mean, if it wasn't for the 45-yarder, they did nothing in the, in the passing game when he was kept clean even. Under pressure, 3 for 8 for 44 yards. That's 5.5 yards per pass and a pick. When he was not blitzed, 16 for 34 for 199. That's just 5.9 yards per pass and a pick. And they only blitzed him four times. He goes two for four. I should say on balls that he threw, he goes two for four with six yards, just 1.5 yards per pass. The rushing game, Duke Johnson had the only two forced missed tackles in the running back room. He averaged four yards per carry after contact. The receivers, Jalen Waddles, 1.18 yards per route run, led the team. It was the first time he didn't catch 50% of his targets in a game, three of seven. Parker caught four for 13 for 1.12 yards per route run. The pressures allowed was pretty good. Liam Eikenberg had four. Austin Jackson had three. But listen to these numbers. Michael Dieter had one. It was a sack, that coverage sack we talked about. Rob Hunt had zero pressures. And Jesse Davis had one. And it was a sack as well. The only two times they had Tua getting hit was the two sacks. So good day in pass pro against a team that really didn't bring a whole lot of blitzes in this game. On the defensive side, the Dolphins only had four pressures in this game. Jerome Baker had two of them. Nick Needham and Christian Wilkins both had one apiece. Run stops, Jerome Baker had seven of those. Sealer and Wilkins had four apiece. Brandon Jones and Landon Roberts had three apiece. Javon Holland, Raekwon Davis, Andrew Van Ginkle, and Emmanuel Ogba had two run stops in this game. And then Phillips, Butler, and Rowe all had one apiece. Coverage snaps. Guys that played 20 snaps in coverage, Devon Holland, Xavier Howard, and Byron Jones. Holland, one for two completions on targets for one yard. Xavier Howard, one for two for 25 yards. Byron Jones was not targeted in this game. Jerome Baker played 14 coverage snaps. They completed two for four for 18 yards. Nick Needham played 11 coverage snaps, one for one for seven yards. And of course, that DPI we talked about. Brandon Jones played 10 of them, two for two for 20 yards. And Andrew Van Ginkle had six coverage snaps, three for three for 38 yards. And a lot of that was off that action in the running game, which is so tough to deal with 
when you cannot consistently get those run stops to keep them in short yardage. Again, great plan by the Titans. We're going to go ahead and punt on the next-gen stats here. Everything went backwards, so who cares to talk about it? Snap counts, quarterbacks, Tua played 61. Jacoby played one snap. That was 98% for Tua. Along the offensive line, Davis, Dieter, Hunt, and Eichenberg all played 62 snaps, every one of them. Austin Jackson played 59. Solomon Kinley filled in for three snaps. At running back, Duke Johnson leads the way with 58% of the workload. He played 36 snaps. Big big difference from last week. Miles Gaskin, 15 snaps, and Philip Lindsay played seven in the game. At tight end, Mike Gesicki leads the way after Durham Smythe took that crown for a few weeks in a row. He plays 47 snaps for 76% of the workload. Durham Smythe played 41. Adam Shaheen played 19. Seathan Carter played one. And this is what we talk about with the weapons and, and the passing game. Devontae Parker, 58 snaps, 94%. Waddle, 57 snaps. And then after that, just 17 snaps from Isaiah Ford and 12 from Mac Holland. So that's a lot of snaps there for guys uh, in that deep in that tight end receiver room for the Miami Dolphins. Along the defensive line, Wilkins played 56 snaps. That's 89%. Ridiculous. Zach Sealer played 50. Raekwon Davis played 39. Adam Butler played 30. Off the edge, Van Ginkle leads away with 61 snaps. That's 97%. Ogbaugh played 41. Phillips played 23. And Brandon Scarlett, welcome back, played two snaps on defense. At linebacker, Jerome Baker played 63 every snap. Alandon Roberts played 46. And then Duke Riley had nine when he came out, when Roberts came out. And then Munson played one snap when I think Baker went down for a snap as well. At cornerback, Byron and X both had 61 snaps apiece. That's 97% of the workload. Nick Needham played 24. Justin Coleman played one. Javon Holland played all 63 snaps at safety. Brandon Jones played 47. And Eric Rowe played 15. So those are your numbers. I want to go ahead and scan the social here real quick because I tweeted about this on Monday. And it's one of those things where I knew it would be greeted with some backlash. And that's why I found it important to do it. I just think perspective is important. Like, look, you guys heard me all summer and offseason. No one believed this team could be one of the top seven teams in the AFC back in August more than I did. No one thought they could compete for the AFC East more than I did. And the truth is that they did both of those things. I mean, they were in both races until Sunday. Now, this is a bottom line business, and Miami came up short. But as I've been saying for, I don't know, when did I start Locked On Dolphins? August 2017 for 4.5 years now process over results. The results tell you, again, no playoffs since 2016. Going into year four of the current structure, that's where conversations typically start about, is this the right guy or whatever you want to say about, you know, job security. I'm not going to be the one that goes after and talks about that. But that's about where the evaluation starts to begin, right? And every position in the organization goes under that evaluation really every year. So, I mean, every year we do that, but the results, I don't think were what we expected but that doesn't change the process. We know this defense can play. We know it's deep at all three levels. We know it has ball hawks. We know it can lead the league in sacks in the week 17. We know it can make quarterbacks uncomfortable and take the football away. And the vast majority of that group of that defense is under contract long-term. We know the offense has shown some flashes. We know the rookie receiver is really good. We know the quarterback really excels in a rhythm, quick strike passing game that can really manage the pocket and help against these great pass rushers this league has. By the same token... He led the league in turnover-worthy plays from pro football focus going into the last game of the season. We know where he has to get better. That's 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 what it comes down to. We know the Dolphins have the fifth most drop passes according to pro football focus. We know there was too much pressure all year long, the most according to pro football focus from the Dolphins' pass protection. And we know the running game works ranks 31st where the Houston Texans have 15 fewer yards on the ground than the Miami Dolphins. The Pittsburgh Steelers surpassed Miami and Houston on Monday night to get into 30th. 
We also know that this team is projected to have the most cap space in football next offseason. We know they have that one first rounder this year, two first rounders next year. And that's not just three young players. It's flexibility. It's future resources. And you can use those resources however you want. You don't have to stay there and draft who's there. You can use it for veterans. You can use it for rookies. You can use it to get more capital. It's up to you. My point there is that there are upgrades to make. I think that's pretty evident, not by the individual, but you have to get better in all of those areas we listed, right? It has to happen. And I think we still have a chance to go, you know, better than 500 for the second straight year. For the first time since I was a freshman in high school, you know, I see 10 wins by two scores or more over the last two years. That's more than the total number of two score wins between 2014, 2019, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. That's a six year period. Did more of that in two years. I see the opportunity to fix those issues and be back in position next year, only without looking back at three buzzer beater field goals and wondering how we could have closed the margins on those games to flip them the other way. That's the hope. That's what we'll look. That's what we'll work on this podcast this offseason. But before that, though, we have one more game to go, and let's go ahead and get that ninth win and sweep the Patriots for the first time since the 2000 season. All right, that's going to be my time on this Tuesday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Wingfield NFL. Follow the Miami Dolphins on all socials at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and OJ, as well as our post-game show on 560. One more show next week. Check out the YouTube channel for all the media availabilities, as well as Dolphins Today. Last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline, Daddy is coming home.